0: I've been able to take some things from our study that uh, can help you, help you in your spiritual growth and your daily walk. Because it is a daily walk, isn't it? It's something we have to do every day. It's not just something we do on Sunday, is it? It's something we should be waking up in the morning and should be present on our minds, present on our thoughts, on, on our plans, on our deeds. Everything we do should be done in accordance with the will of God, right? Do you think about that when you wake up in the morning? I know, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna be thinking, what am I gonna do for Jesus today? What am I gonna do for Jesus constantly? But it should be prevalent in your thoughts. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today. <clears throat> in chapters one and two, of course, we, we talked about how Paul mentioned that Christ is all sufficient, right? He's all we need, right? You don't need these other things. You don't need idols. You don't need uh, additional revelation. You don't need other things. Christ is it. We read about that in Hebrews, right, big time. If you study the book of Hebrews, that's what you're gonna understand at the end is all we need is Christ. He is the ultimate high priest. He is all we need The sacrifice for us. In chapter one, Paul uh, commends the church of Colossae for their, their faith, their steadfast faith, their love that he had heard about through their brother Epaphras, who was his fellow prisoner in, in, the, in the cause in, in Christ. And so... We learn that these brethren are, are doing well. They are believers. They, are, uh, they have a church established there in Colossae. Remember we had the Tri-City area, Laodicea and Heropolis as well. He's commending all of them this time when this was written. And he's telling them that their faith, it sounds like he's heard that their faith is good, their love for each other is good. And then he starts commending them and, and admonishing them a little bit and telling them to keep that faith, to keep doing it, to keep on. Keep on trucking, you might say, right? as part of their daily walk, something they should be doing every day. In chapter three, he's gonna give some basic and practical admonitions that are gonna to pertain to them living a life in Christ. And by the way, we're gonna be able to read that and see how that pertains to us as well. It's pretty, pretty simple stuff, pretty general stuff, but stuff that we need to keep in mind. And when carried out, we can have The basic principles for living in Christ we need that right we need to know what the basic principles for living in Christ remember Paul talked about that there are many who obey the gospel there are many who believe but they don't take Jesus on as their Lord they don't continue to live they don't live there's a lot of folks that'll say oh I I, I need to become a Christian I I want to be saved but then when it gets down to the nitty-gritty they don't really want to live that way right they don't want to make Jesus their Lord they don't need they don't want to obey really they want to live like they want to live right and that's part of it we're gonna talk about that a little bit today we carried out these basic uh, basics for living in Christ we assure that we find in Christ everything we need for this life and the life to come we have everything in him what we need the the, the commands the way to live and we can carry out our lives because of that the first admonition is going to be found there in chapter 3. Let's turn over to Colossians chapter 3 and let's read the first few verses there. Beginning at chapter 3, verse 1, <coughs> Paul says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear. With him in glory. All right. He says something interesting. Set your mind on things above. Why? Because that's where Christ is. Christ ascended into heaven. He's now sitting at the right hand of God. He's reigning in his kingdom. We've talked about that a lot, haven't we? We are part of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus continually said that in his ministry. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know the church was established on the day of Pentecost, right? When 3,000 souls were saved, we're added to that church. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. Christ is reigning in that kingdom. We are the body, he's the head. All those things are true, and we should contemplate those. Turn over to Romans chapter 12, and let's read a few things about why that needs to be done. Romans chapter 12, and read a few verses. Beginning in uh, verse one. He says, and this is Paul writing to the church of Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What a powerful two verses right there. He's saying, do not conform to this world, We've talked about that a lot, haven't we? Not being of the world, Jesus said. You have taken them. You've taken them out of the world. You're talking about the apostles that He had been given by God when He's praying in the garden. Remember that? He says they are of the world. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. That's the same as us. We have been set apart, sanctified for a purpose, sanctified to do good works, sanctified to do the will of God. That's why we need to be setting our minds on things above on the things of the world this world's passing i know it's tough sometimes to do that though right it's tough when you're going through something that's not good sickness some kind of financial problem stress at work whatever it is family issues but we have to continually keep our minds set on things above because we have christ he's all sufficient and he's reigning in his kingdom (laughs) it's essential that we do this if we desire to be transformed from the world. We gotta have our mindset on above. Turn over to Romans eight there, back a few chapters. (laughs) And let's read what Paul said there. Romans eight, one of the most magnificent chapters in the whole Bible. And I would encourage you to read chapter eight very often. I don't know if anybody remember uh, brother Richard Rogers who was a a teacher at the Sunset School of Preaching in Lubbock, Texas many years ago. He's passed long ago. But I used to hear sermons when I was in college many years ago and one of the things he said was he read Romans 8 first thing every morning when he would wake up. Romans eight every morning. I haven't done that. I wish I had, but that's a great example of putting your mind on things above, right? Get in the word. No better way to set your mind on things above. Beginning in verse one. There is now, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a statement. If you're in the flesh, you're dead. If you're in the spirit, you have life. Simple as that. Perhaps not that easy to carry out when we're in the flesh, right? Not easy to practice the principle, right? We are to set our minds on things above. We are to seek those things which are above. By doing so, we will be transformed into his likeness. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Let's read a couple verses from there. <clears throat> Let's read uh, verse eight, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul saying, I'm an example. I'm an example of what it means to be a Christian. I'm an example of someone who has set his mind on things above. Right? Trying to live according to the Spirit. By directing our mind's attention to such things, (coughs) as mentioned here in Philippians, uh, more specifically by setting our attention on the Word of God, we can find Christ, who was foreshadowed and foretold in the Old Testament, right? We can find Christ's life and teaching in the Gospels. We can find Christ's church that we read about in the book of Acts, right? And we can find his fuller teachings and the epistles, which we're studying here in Colossians. And we have Christ's encouragement and ultimate victory in Revelation. The book of Revelation, the major theme to me is victory, victory in Christ. The end has already been done. We know how it's going to end, right? If we're setting our mind on things above. We're part of that kingdom. Some further reasons. Turn back to Romans 6, and let's read about it. Romans 6, we've read many times, one of my, another one of my favorite chapters, especially when dealing with someone who wants to tell you you don't need to be baptized, you know, all that stuff, Romans 6 lays it out for you. Romans 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death? This occurs when we're baptized into Christ, right? We die to self raised in newness of life in Him, in Christ. Verse three of Colossians three, he says, you died. It's no longer you that lives. It's Christ that lives in you. Can you honestly say that Christ is living in you? Can you look at the things that you are doing in your life? The thoughts that you have, the work that you're performing, because you're all doing something, right? Maybe you're sleeping, I don't know, but you're doing something. Are you doing that in the spirit? Is what you're doing for the kingdom. Read on, verse 7. For the for he who died, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Simple as that. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Neth no longer has dominion over him. You see, if you have died to Christ, you may die a physical death, but you're not going to die again. You're going to live. And you're already living. End of John says we can have abundant life, right? By knowing what Jesus did. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not, sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You see, we have this sin problem, right? Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and now, we all have this sin problem. Through one man sin entered the world, through another is taken out. Christ is all sufficient. We have to set our minds on the things that are above. And if we're raised with Christ, if we're living in Christ, we no longer have sin, it's forgiven. And as we constantly walk, setting our minds on things above, we are, we are walking in the light, we're constantly washed with the blood, and we no, have, no longer have to worry about our life. We no longer have to worry about where we're going. We are in the kingdom. We are in the church, part of the kingdom, and we are living according to the will of God. What a wonderful thing, right? I hope that you understand that. Most all of you in here have been a Christian a long time, I would think. Most of you, at least. Do you think about that? Do you think how wonderful a life you have in Christ? Or is the busyness of this life so overwhelming, and so prevalent in your life that you never think about it? We have died to sin, we have died to self, we're now living in him. If you're living in him, don't you think you need to be understanding his commands? Don't you think you need to be seeking out what you need to do with your life from him through Paul? Paul said, do like me, that's what I'm doing. Seems like it ought to be pretty important in your lives. Our life is hidden with Christ and God, that's an interesting statement, right? We died to sin, died to self, and now we are hidden in Christ with God. What does that mean exactly? Turn over Galatians chapter 2, and let's read a uh, verse from there. see if we can figure out what that's talking about. Galatians chapter 2, and let's begin in verse uh, 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? certainly not for if I build again those things which I destroyed I make myself a transgressor for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God you see I have been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I think that's a song isn't it I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now Paul's dealing with some Old Testament, you know, Judaizing teachers are trying to say you got to keep the law again. But wow, what a fabulous verse there, verse 20. If I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, I have life. And the life that I now live <coughs> in the flesh, I live in Christ. You got to be in the world, you got to be in the flesh but you don't have to be in the world, right? You are born again, raised in the newness of life in him, setting aside the things of the world, setting your minds on things above. You've been crucified, with it's no longer you. When Christ appears in glory, so will we, as he says there in verse 4. And the first three reasons for us to sing the heavenly were based upon what happened in the past. This motivation is predicated on what is promised in the future. Verse four is an interesting verse. He says, you're gonna be part of it. You're gonna be part of that great day, that great judgment. You're gonna be raised with him. What a wonderful promise that is. But to obtain that promise, we have to set our minds on things above. And by doing that, we're able to control things like the body, like the flesh. Go back to Colossians three there. And let's continue on. Beginning in verse 5, he says, Therefore, (coughs) put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Paul's giving some admonitions now. He's saying, okay, you've been raised in newness of life. You are dead to to sin, dead to the flesh, dead to yourself, alive in Christ, alive in the Spirit. Now, put these things off. Fornication, we know what that is, right? All forms of sexual immorality, right? You can name them, you know, um, adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism, whatever you want to call it, even bestiality. My only heart is so gross, I don't even want to say it. But <clears throat> all these things need to be put away. Uncleanness, moral, in the moral sense, that's, you know, that's lustfulness or, or uh, living wildly, you might say. Sowing wild oats, whatever you want to call it, perhaps. Passion, in the Greek, passion can mean a good thing or a bad thing. Mostly you see that in New Testament, it's talking about a bad thing wild passion, burning passion for things that are bad, for sinful things. Evil desire goes right along with that, right? The desire or the craving or the longing for what is forbidden, those things can be put off. <coughs> also, he talks about covetousness, right? Things which appeal to the lust of the eyes, perhaps, wanting, greedily wanting more than what you have. And Paul says what? When you're coveting something When you're greedily pushing to get something more, it's idolatry. That becomes idolatry, right? You're putting something in the place of God. You have an idol. You're you're seeking out your worshiping. Do people do that today in our world? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to get ahead, right? Doing better than yourself, having a better life for you and your family, right? But when it becomes the thing that consumes you, that you work 16 hours a day, ignoring your family, ignoring the things you need to do spiritually, then it becomes an idol, it becomes something that you worship in the place of God. That's wrong, that needs to be done away with. Interesting statements, right? <clears throat> Paul talks about these things as if they were doing it. I don't know, perhaps that's something they still needed to hear. Perhaps that was some of that stuff, even though he said they were steadfast in the faith, some of these things are still creeping up, perhaps. And we, we have constant temptation, don't we? I've said that many times. We're always dealing with something. We have sin that we have to deal with. But by setting our minds on the things above, realizing that we are dead to self, dead to sin, that will help us put these things away. And he's admonishing them to do that. Why? To avoid that coming wrath. That coming wrath that's going to be put on those who are disobedient. Those who are of the world. Those who are still in their sin. There's that sin problem again, right? And those who don't put these things off are going to be suffering the coming wrath. In Christ, we die to these things, right? That's what he's talking about. (coughs) We need to put off other things. Continue reading there in Colossians 3, verse 8 but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all in all. We have sins of the emotions, right? Anger. You might say anger is, you know, an agitation of our soul or mind, an impulse or desire, some kind of violent emotion. Right? Do you get angry? <laughs> yeah. We all get angry. If you have kids, do you get angry? Yeah. You have a spouse do you ever get angry I think I heard one time somebody preach on that that they knew an elder that had told him at one time I don't remember who the preacher was or who the elder was that an elder had told him he and his wife had never had an argument and he said you be careful because you're not supposed to lie but I guess it can be done but What are we talking about here? An anger that's uncontrolled. We know there is a righteous anger, right? Christ cleared the temple of the money changers, right? God is going to bring his wrath on those who are sinful. We're not talking about a righteous anger or an an anger knowing, discerning sin or discerning things that we know are not right, right? And things that we might need to speak up about. We're talking about a wrath anger, an anger that's wanting evil done on someone, or, or wanting, uh, you know, a gr- holding a grudge. You might say, you know, what I'm talking about there. Put that away. Wrath, pa- uh, passion, passive, uh, angry heat, anger forthwith that is boiling over and wants someone to be hurt. Malice, similar thing, right? Ill will towards someone, desire to injure. Uh, I think malice is used in the court of law, right? You, can, you have differences. something. What is it? I think you can have uh, malice towards someone you can, can't you be convicted i don't know someone who knows the law. Can you be, can't you be convicted differently if, if they can prove you had malice for someone, maybe you didn't carry it out, but it seems like there's something like that. But anyways, malice, wanting to injure someone, wanting to hurt someone, remember if you 've been dead if you 're a dead to sin if you're dead to the flesh, if you 're living in the spirit. What difference does it make if someone has hurt you? Okay. Yeah, that's not good. And maybe you need to talk to someone about that, but you're going to heaven. This life isn't what the big deal is, right? This life is passing. And yeah, you need to get things right with someone if there's some conflict there. But holding a grudge or being being angry over something and holding that in, no need for it. Your life should be lived abundantly like we read about in the Gospel of John, right? That's not easy to do, though, is it? I'm sure some of you right now can think of someone <laughs> you might have a problem with. Yes, sir. Yeah. Good point, Kurt. Yeah, that's a great point. We are, as Christians, supposed to show them an example. And if someone has hurt us, we may need to go to them, but we say, we're not going to jump on them. We're not going to hold that against them. They need to see an example of Christ in us. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we're talking about here. Not having malice to one another, not having anger or hatred or wrath to one another. Paul's saying put these things off too as Christians, as those who are dead to sin, dead to selves, dead to the flesh. We don't need to keep these things in. They need to be put away with. He also talks about sins of the tongue, right? Blasphemy, slanderous, detractive speech, injurious to another's good name. I'm not talking about blasphemy against God necessarily here. I'm talking about slandering someone, right? Lying about someone's character, lying about what someone did, slandering their name because you have malice, because you don't like what they did to you, or perhaps you just don't like them. I don't know. This should be done away with as well. We should not be speaking evil of others. I know that's tough to do, isn't it? Tough to keep from doing, especially when someone we may not like all that much. Filthy language, foul speaking, low and obscene speech. And, we, you know, of course, we know we shouldn't curse, right? We shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? But I think what we're talking about here is more than just that. It's, it's about using language that uh, can be injurious to others or can be just filthy, I don't know, telling nasty jokes or telling nasty stories, speaking to someone and carrying out like you're in the world, right? Because that's what the world does. Not speaking like them. Speaking like you are part of the kingdom. That's the whole point, is it not? Filthy language. Lying. To lie, to speak deliberately falsehoods. One another one of the Ten Commandments. That's pretty much an easy one, right? I'll throw this out there. Is there ever a time where a lie is good? No? Yes? Hmm. I'm not going to get into it. That's a whole other lesson, right? But what about Rahab? Remember what Rahab did? Didn't she lie about the men who came into Jericho? And she's mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord, right? Just saying. Not going to get into that. But lies are bad. Shouldn't be lying. Shouldn't bear false witness. Oh, maybe that's a little bit more about it. Maybe it's more like, I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't have mouths on one another. And I shouldn't be bearing false witness against my neighbor maybe that's what we're really talking about yes sir Kurt's saying even in a war, you're gonna have deception. In a ball game, you have deception, right? There's lies all the time, but yeah, that's what we're talking about here, something that's injurious, something that we're lying about to help us, and not them, or be bad against someone else. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here, putting that away, not having that, right? The reason for putting off all these things is we must continue to be, remember what we said, perfect. Remember, Paul said that was his intent. He wants to present every man perfect, complete in Christ. You see, we have the principle, right? We have the, the ideas, the commands, but we've got to put those into practice. And that's not so easy, right? That gets to be tough sometimes, especially when we have something we really struggle with. When we were baptized into Christ, We put off that old man. We read about that in Colossians 2, right? We put off the old man with his deeds. In practice, it doesn't occur overnight, right? When you were baptized, did you ever sin again? You did? Did you ever do the same sins that you did before you were baptized? Yeah, probably so, right? Yeah. It's not easy. It's something we grow to. How do we do it? Setting our minds on the things above. Being in the word, remember? Being in the word, being in prayer, being of service. Being here in the church with each other. On Sundays, but not just on Sundays, being together. Having that fellowship, encouragement, edification that we need to continue to walk in the light. We need the admonitions. Paul's admoni- admonishing them. He's already said, you guys are doing good. You're steadfast in the faith. But I admonish you again. Put these things off. You're dead to, to, to sin. You've been raised to newness of life. And finally, we notice an admonition by Paul, which we'll, we'll expand on this a little bit in our next lesson, but he talks about something else in 10 and 11 there, and I'll read it again. And he says, And uh, And verse 10 and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. We've put on the new man. In baptism into Christ, we put on Christ. We had the sin problem that we have to deal with. All right? We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. And we have to do something about it. But without God, without Christ, we would have no hope to do anything about it, right? We are commanded to be baptized into him, put him on, raised the newness of life. Therefore, we put on the new man, the new man who is renewed according to the image of him who created him. Can't talk about that enough. We have to be transformed. We have to grow, spiritually speaking. If you're not being transformed, if you're not seeing a difference in your life, then maybe you need to think about that. Maybe you need to question where you are, what you're doing, whether you're setting your mind on the things above. To be renewed according to the image of Christ, to become like Christ, and in so doing destroy the barriers that have long divided man. Right. We are no longer part of the world, even though we're in the world. We are his, he purchased us with a price, his blood. And by the way, notice there in verse one, he says, we were raised, uh, we, we, um, well, let me go back and read it. Verse one, if then you were raised with Christ, in other words, he's saying you were raised with Christ. Seek these things which are above, which Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You see, that might be what we call the whole duty of man, to seek that which is above, to be renewed according to the image of Christ. To do that, we have to heed this admonition of Paul to seek the heavenly, seek, slay the earthly, right, put off the sin, and then strengthen the Christly, or those who are in Christ and we'll examine that more next week. (coughs) Everything in this chapter assumes one's been raised in Christ, right? Everything in this chapter is saying, you are part of the kingdom, you should be setting your minds on things above, you're in the spirit, and if that's true of you, then that's wonderful. I want to continue to admonish you to put off the things of the world, put off the things of the flesh, Set your mind on things above and if anyone in here is not put on Christ, perhaps today is the right time. The best time is any, right Today is always the best. No need to put it off till tomorrow because we're not promised tomorrow right? If you haven't been baptized into him for the forgiveness of sin and raised to newness of life, you need to do it. Today's as good as any. All right, I hope this has been a good lesson. Hope I might have stepped on a few toes, but that's okay. Sometimes we need it. Paul's doing it here, right? Remember, seek the things that are of above. Thanks for being here. Our time is up.